Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. And welcome to Episode 7, WrestleMania 2, the premier sporting event of the year. What has the world come to? Which one do you like better? Uh, what has the world come to? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Premier sporting event. Just like, yeah, what has the world come to? WrestleMania 2? <laughs> 2? Uh, I do love the WrestleMania 2 logo. Yes, it's kind of classic. It yeah. might be the best thing about this entire show. <laughs> I almost said that, but I was like, ah, like let me relive it first before I come to before I come to terms with that. Uh, it does look like the side of like an arcade machine, like that big 2 with the It's true. very like neon, but very true. yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So obviously we're headed back to WrestleMania 2, which happened on April 7th, 1986. To set the stage, Out of Africa had just won Best Picture. Have you seen Out of Africa? I've never seen Out I don't of even, Africa. I'm not even familiar with the title at all. Who's in it? Meryl Streep. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. Good guess. We'll go with Meryl Streep. I'll add it to my, uh, my watch list. There you go. And Microsoft had just become a publicly traded corporation. So hopefully everyone got in on the original IPO. Oh, yeah, I wasn't born yet. And if you did, please send us money. <laughs> we will uh, we will shout you out every episode if you send us money. I need that Bill Gates money. Exactly. WrestleMania 2, produced by the WWF, on a Monday. April 7th was a Monday. Why was it on a Monday? I mean, I guess that the Sundays have just been a thing for quite a while now, but I, they weren't always on Sundays. This is the only WrestleMania not to be on a Sunday. Hmm. Was there something happening on April 6th? I, that I don't know. Yeah. I I literally I think it was possibly because all they needed to coordinate all three locations, which yeah, yeah this this event was held in three locations. Yeah, which is a crazy... and WrestleMania this year is it is on the seventh as well, isn't it? It is twenty what twenty three years, thirty three years. It's thirty three years. Yeah, on the same day, kind of crazy. But yeah, the event was held in three different locations. Nassau Veterans Memorial in Uniondale, New York. Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois, which is where the wrestling classic came oh, okay. from. Is that just the suburb of Chicago? Yeah. Okay. And then the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena in LA, which is obviously in California. And the show was broadcast on pay-per-view. Drew an attendance of about 40,000 combined. Yeah. And I found that the buy rate was about a 7.0. I don't really know what that number technically means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some uh, buy rate. Uh, buy rate Googling? Yeah, I'm going to Google some, some buy rate before the next, the next show, just so I have more of an understanding of what it is. 7.0 sounds big. I, it does sound good, big. I mean, but... I figure most buy rates anymore are probably like a one point something or other. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, I'd, like, I don't know how you even compare that to the like, show makes the, the show made money, so... Yeah. Let's kick it right to the show. All right. And literally it opens on that logo that you were talking about with 
I think it was Vince McMahon saying, what the world has come to. Wait, it's uh, what the world has come to. I said, what has the world come to, which was, I think, why I thought it was so funny. I read that completely wrong. Uh, what the world has come to is uh, WrestleMania 2. Exactly. <laughs> I, I said, what has the what uh, what, what has, has the, the world, world come, come to? to? Dyslexia is a thing. And then there's obviously some jazzy '80s music because that's yeah, that's what they do, at least on the network. You got to keep it classy. So we're headed to New York. Vince McMahon is our host and play-by-play guy, and he's in the ring welcoming everyone to WrestleMania. And he introduces Susan St. James, who will be our color commentator for the New York matches. Yeah. I've never seen any of the things that Susan St. James is famous for. She's famous for, what, Macmillan and Wife and Kate and Allie. It's like two sitcoms. But like one's like, I watched a lot of Nick at Night as a kid. These were not on Nick at Night. These were not on Nick at Night. I don't know that they held the... the yeah, they didn't, they didn't make it through time. I do like that the crushed velvet jacket that he's wearing. Vince gotta be styling, bro. It looks really nice. It's definitely gotta be styling. Uh, we get Ray Charles to sing America the Beautiful. I feel a little bit of an upgrade over Mean Gene from WrestleMania uh, 1. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely an upgrade as far as fame goes. I mean, it's it's Ray Charles, but there's something special about Mean Gene singing it. While he's singing, we get a video package of America, which he's singing into a mic. I don't know if you heard it, which you probably did because you're a music guy as well. Oh, it fed back. <laughs> there's tons of feedback. Because they didn't put the mic close enough. They didn't put they, the mic close they, enough to his mouth. Yeah, so. There might have been an X in the in the ring, but he couldn't see it. <laughs> exactly. And then the final picture of that video package is Hulk Hogan, because you know. Yeah, it's just like it's like um, he's the real like a American. farmer, and then uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge, and then like it's just a bunch of fades in and out of like stock, like America photos. Yeah, it was totally and, stock footage yeah. of America. And Ray Charles is wearing like this kind of beautiful like blue and gold jacket that's like super super de- detailed and ornate it's pretty cool so it's, it's one of the probably the best get up of the evening i don't know we'll figure it out as we go on i don't know jesse was looking pretty good <laughs> so we send it off to uh, rosemont where we go to mean gene oakland he's talking about a battle royal that's going to happen there and then stone back to new york with Roddy Piper in the back hyping his bo- boxing match with Mr. T. A couple of the lines that I found was, if he gets knocked out, he's going to retire from professional boxing, professional wrestling, quit twiddly winks, wow. <laughs> and quit dating girls. <laughs> the, that's good. The one that I noticed was like that he said that he grew his hair long so people could tell the difference between him and Mr. T. <laughs> which I thought was pretty amazing which he follows up with there was a borderline <laughs> racist comment after that where he says never will I shave my hair like an Indian and paint myself black yeah it's good good I'm glad that I'm glad you let us all know you're not gonna do that Roddy Piper welcome to 1986 <laughs> yeah. everyone I just like that he yeah I grew my hair long so but t- I don't even know how to play tiddlywings I feel like it's jacks but yeah I wish I could audibly do the what I just did because <laughs> I have I literally have no clue what tiddly winks well, yeah. is. Yeah, we can go to the Walgreens later and get some tiddly winks. We'll play afterwards. <laughs> but we get our first match: Magnificent Morocco with Mister Fuji versus Paul Orndorff. As the match is beginning, Vince Mister Wonderful, Mister Wonderful, yes. <laughs> um, as the match begins, Vince says, "We're going to 
we're going to get some backstage interviews. And I think it was supposed to be picture in picture. Yeah. But all we get is the audio. Yeah, no, it's like uh, it's like a basically an audio package over top of them the ring the match about to start. So. Yeah. And then the match begins and I found which might be the best part of this entire match. <laughs> it's not on the network. I'm going to have to you're going to have to send me the link later. Oh, I just read about it. Oh, okay. I did not find the footage no, no longer footage exists. Of it. It's very deep. Because the WWE Network has edited out of the match. But early on, Orndorff gives Morocco a body slam. And then he turns towards Mr. Fuji and makes a racist, slanty eye gesture. So basically he like pulls his eye back with his Exactly. And then he follows it with an Italian salute. Which if you watch Godfather... Show me your Italian salute. Oh, okay. I got you. I didn't know that's what that was called. You know, I've never seen The Godfather, and uh, we can talk about that some other time. Never seen Godfather? No. I've seen Goodfellas a lot. I'm kind of disappointed right now. I know. I'm disappointed with myself. I'll get there. So, uh, back to the match. St. James, uh, because Susan's the color commentator, and she's commentating all about everything that's going on, uh, seems to think an armhole is a form of Chinese torture. Did she say ancient, though? I don't think she did. <laughs> the bigger question then is, how does she know about Chinese torture? Yeah, do you think she has watched a wrestling match before uh, Before they just threw her on here? Is she that I, famous? Or I does don't. she like is like she have some sort of relationship with somebody? That's in the, the thing, is I have no clue how Susan St. James is on this show. I'm going to deep dive on Susan later. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that wanted to deep dive on Susan oh. back in the day. Uh, but Morocco and Orndorff, they end up falling over the top rope and begin brawling on the outside. And then we hear the bell ring. Orndorff grabs a chair, but the ref stops him. McMahon doesn't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening. Well, yeah, it's The I, crowd's I, chanting I think we all fell into like a, a black hole and now we're at an NWA show. <laughs> we're like, hey, this is WWF. What's, we should know what's going on. Like I said, the crowd's chanting bullshit because they're just super pissed yeah, off. Yeah, it's the first night, first match of the night. I'd be pissed too. And then we go, like, and we still don't know what happened. And then no. we go to Mr. T in the back, who's with... Yeah, they cut from, like, confusion and chant. This is not a good way to start a show. No, no. <laughs> and we get the to man to Mr. T in the back with the man who should not be allowed anywhere near a wrestling ring, Joe Frazier. Oh, Hyping their bo- boxing match. In the middle of the promo, how we finally hear, like, while Mr. T is talking, Howard Finkel announcing that Orndorff and Morocco had both been counted out via double DQ. Is there a visible, like, count out? No clue. It wasn't worth rewinding, honestly. No, it was not. And then Mr. T, after he's talked, he throws the mic down. Says, says he's, he's ready. Says he's ready, basically. Yeah. And he's accompanied by, did you get the name of the... The little person? Is he just there because Vince loves little people? He's the Haiti kid. Uh, they used to do midget wrestling. Yeah. In the WWF. I know that. And him and Mr. T, I guess, were really good friends. And I think Orton shaved his head to make him look like Mr. T. I mean, yeah. they like It's kind of like the Lucha like minis and stuff. Yeah. Which I think that... Uh, years later, there's a they do like a mini Undertaker and mini Kane. Which... Hey, Swoggle's a bit is a big draw at WrestleMania weekend this <laughs> this year. He probably has like five shows. That he's at least three that I saw. <laughs> Good for him. 
So we head to the second match. George the Animal Steel versus Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. There's a little bit of a story behind this match. Um, Steel had become smitten with Miss Elizabeth. Well, like like everybody else. Oh, exactly. Like, who, who wouldn't be smitten with Miss Elizabeth? Yeah. This is 33 years ago, and I still think she's freaking hot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's fun. That's all I got. It's fun. <laughs> this match is yeah, fun? Yeah, go ahead. Get well, into I, it. I have a little bit more. Oh, so, you got more? Uh, pomp and Circumstance obviously plays as Savage makes his way to the ring. Uh, St. James is pumped up for this one, though. Yeah. She's ready for this one. Uh, we get a Savage promo while they're getting ready. Picture in picture. This time it, actu- oh, this time it actually worked. Picture. The animal's very unorthodox, coming after Savage, almost acting like a, an animal. animal. Yeah. Uh, and Randy bells from the ring many times. Uh, he finally catches... The animal finally catches up with Macho Man, begins to gnaw on the calf of Savage, and then still looks out towards Miss Elizabeth... And Savage gets entangled up in the ropes and stomping on him. We get a flying crossbody from Savage, like a, it's, it's like huge. literally three fourths of the ring. It's very big. Uh, Savage is then tossed from the ring, but then crawls under the yeah. ring. Well, he does the like previously. He's he's heel Macho Man right now, so he's yes. he's leaving the ring constantly and running around. But uh, yeah, the under the ring was a really fun spot. Comes out on the other side. Climbs back in the ring and attacks Animal from behind. But then the Animal begins to bite Savage's arm. Savage gets out of the ring, grabs a bouquet of flowers from ringside, which plant much. And ends up hitting steel with them. Because uh, flowers do such does steel damage. Bite, does steel bite a flower? I don't think he bites the flowers. I wish he could. I wish he bit a flower. After that, Steel goes back to biting Savage's arm, and now Animal has the flowers, and he's smacking Macho Man with the flowers. It's a good visual. Animal ends up biting the turnbuckle cover. That's his thing. And starts pulling the stuffing out, and then stuffing, stuffing it into sh- Savage's face. It's but every awesome. time, every time he like Animal gets on the offensive, he like goes and like starts messing with Miss yeah. Elizabeth again. Yeah. I mean, they they basically play him up like, like an obsessed a child, except animal. for he's an animal. Yeah, I mean, the gimmicks in the name. Exactly. <laughs> he's outside talking to Elizabeth, and Savage comes off the top rope with a double axe handle, throws Animal back in the ring. We get a body slam, and then the top rope elbow, which is that's what a, we, yeah, that's what we remember as Macho Man's finisher. Only gets a two count. Animal is the first person. To ever kick out of Savage's top rope elbow yeah. in WWF, at least. Yeah, I wonder the, the first one. But how many, how many times has it been kicked out? I think out of it was at least then? five years. Oh, really? Before the next until one? Hogan did it. Oh, uh, wow! So it was a pretty protected finisher for a long time. That's pretty cool. Then the animal takes Savage to the corner, is kicking him, but the ref like moves the animal out. And when Steel returns to beat on Savage, Macho Man does a double leg takedown, gets his feet on the ropes for the leverage, and wins with the pin. It's, very, love, it's very much like yeah. the wrestling classic, his first match there. I love a leverage, uh, a leverage pin from a good heel. It's a, like, good, it's it's a not, good heel move. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's, I mean, it's, it doesn't... I, I'm not going to get tired of it. I say that now. I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> exactly. But like, right now, I still always love it. 
So post-match, Steele bites open another turnbuckle cover and chases the ref all the way down. Yeah, but then he kind of starts eating it just as, like, comfort food, (laughs) which which I really liked and was kind of sad. But we're headed back to Rosemont with Mean Gene, who's with Bill Fralick of the Atlanta Falcons and Big John Studd, talking about the WWF NFL Battle Royal coming up. Fralick calls Studd a dud. That's good. And then they get into a shoving match. And then Stud goes into a promo. And then we head back to New York with Vince and Susan, sitting in some comfy chairs talking about snakes. I, I like, you, like, it's weird that, that they would just do commentary from up there the whole time. I don't know why it feels weird. But, like, is that where they're Literally, at the whole show? I mean, I feel like Gorilla probably does commentary watching what's in the ring, but anymore... They're watching. They're watching the video. Them, I know, but it just feels weird that they're that far away. Like, I mean, that's how far Bob and uh, Bob Connell and Gordon Salee were on like Starcade. Yeah, that's four. That's true. But just them. I think it's maybe the more of the visual of them in the chairs. <laughs> like, it's true. Yeah, it seems so. Like they like they're just a fancy bar or something. But Vince makes a inappropriate comment about snakes. What did he say? I don't remember exactly what he says, but I wonder if I have it. He made some joke yeah, about a pe- snakes. A penis joke. Exactly. So we head to our third match, which since they were talking about snakes, who else would it be but Jake the Snake oh, Roberts? He said, uh, "Let me ask you a question. Do you like snakes?" To Susan St. James. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but I did have. No, it. I'm here for the penis jokes. <laughs> exactly. We're all about that Joey Ryan love. <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts versus George Wells. Jake the Snake is a WWE Hall of Famer. George Wells is a glorified jobber. Uh, is that what he... I was going to say, tell me tell me something about George Wells, because I know nothing. I think he played football before he got into wrestling. Yes. He's in the WWF, right? Like I said, he's a glorified jobber. Obviously, you probably know who wins this match then, since I just told you that. But Jake comes to the ring with a bag... We don't know what's in the bag, right? Yeah. Does the wink, snake wink. does the snake have a name at this point? He does not have a name at this uh, point. Okay. We he all gets, know what it is, right? This is a, I'm teasing this for later. I'm not going to say it. Okay. No, we'll, we'll save it for we'll save it for WrestleMania three. But Roberts gets in the ring, goes right to attack Wells, and Wells hits a big back body drop and a couple right hands, and Roberts has no clue where he is, swinging wildly at nothing. Ah, I love I love that. Just the swell, like when somebody takes a hit so hard, they just start swinging. After a leapfrog from Roberts, Wells comes back with a big shoulder block, and then does a head scissors, getting at, that gets Roberts to back off like a heel, asking for the timeout. And then a power slam by Wells gets a two count. Roberts gets out of the ring, and Wells follows him. But as Wells is getting back in the ring, Roberts is able to attack him, and then Roberts DDTs. Wells in the middle of the ring for the pin and the win. It's one of the first times, like, Jake the Snake had just joined WWF like a oh, month okay. before. So they were starting to just build him up as a Was it heel. called a DDT yet? I don't think Vince called it a DDT. I mean, he called it a maneuver, but that's all he's ever going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a DDT. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, all, yeah we know what it is. I was just curious because I know that Jake the Snake is, you know... Very famously, the guy. That, yeah. Because uh, anymore, DDT. a DDT is basically just a... Like, there's only one other person that I can think of that ever used a DDT as a finisher, and that's Ambrose. That's what Dirty yeah. Deeds is basically. Yeah, is. yeah, it totally is. I was just trying to think. I was like, did anybody else... That's why they call it, it Dirty Deeds, because 
DD. Dirty deeds. So post-match, Roberts grabs his bag. Snakes out. A python and a wraps big, it. It is a big ass. Yeah. Wraps it all around Wells. And Wells begins to foam from the mouth. I know. It's awesome. It's a great visual. But the science on this is... Suspension of disbelief. Exactly. That's why we're here. I Yeah. And Vince says slithering like 60 times. <laughs> So then we go to a video package of Piper and Mr. T's feud. Uh, Mr. T had won a boxing match, and then Piper had climbed in the ring during a Saturday night main event. They look to get into it when Bob Morton comes from behind and hits Mr. T with a knee to the back of the head. So we kind of get the story about the match. So WWF's doing a good job of kind of moving towards, like, hey, here's the story behind this match. So you are emotionally involved. Give them a package. We then go to L.A. Hulk Hogan and Jesse the Body Ventura are there. Hogan lets us know that his ribs are injured, but he's doing it for the little Hulksters. All the little Hulksters, man. Always. And then Ventura ends it with, good guys don't always finish first. Ventura's great. (laughs) He is good. We head back to New York, and Howard Finkel's in in the ring, and he announces the guest ring announcer... Joan Rivers. I know. It was awesome to see Joan Rivers. I feel like, I mean, obviously, but she seems, like, how old is Joan Rivers here? She's got a very amazing, basically everybody's she dressed was pretty awesome. probably in her 40s at this point. Yeah. I guess, I mean, obviously we all know that uh, as she aged. Already, she had already had plastic surgery. She had gotten, point. yeah, like, Joan Rivers is very hilarious. <laughs> and uh, I never liked Joan Rivers. Yeah. There's, if if you watch, like, her stand-up that's like not clean uh mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty fun is it pretty good yeah it's totally worth your time and might change your feeling about her otherwise because before i saw that i just never really had a thought about her at all might have, like, checked, oh, it's just might have checked that out but joan then announces the judges for the boxing match because you gotta have judges we got daryl chocolate thunder dawkins from the new jersey nets he's a basketball player we have blues artist Cab Calloway, who most people know as from Minnie the Moocher. And then Watergate criminal G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> How he is famous is beyond me. But then we get the guest timekeeper, and it's Herb. Do you know where Herb's from? I don't. Is it from a television show? He was from the Burger King commercials. Because <laughs> I have I have herb question mark. I wasn't born at this point. I'm like nine months out from being from being bound, from being born. Like my parents may have conceived on the night of WrestleMania two. Watch WrestleMania two was yeah. like they definitely didn't, but they could have conceived. Oh, that macho man! Yeah, they could have conceived. Uh, yeah, right now, like in this evening, is it's, the potential is there. But I guess they they ran commercials where Herb was the only. Man to have never eaten at a Burger King. That was the premise of the commercial. And that's why he's famous? And that's, and I guess he become, he was kind of like, you know, a meme. Yeah, from, yeah. From now on. Like, was it Yokero Taco Bell? Exactly. <laughs> when was the Taco Bell dog on like WrestleMania, uh, like 17? I don't, I'm trying, I don't know. I'm trying to figure or was out he at the Super Bowl? <laughs> was he at the Super Bowl? I think he was at the Super Bowl. Uh, so then we get our fourth match, which is our boxing match. Roddy Piper with Bob Orton and Lou Duva in his corner versus Mr. T, who has Joe Frazier and the Haiti Kid in his corner in a 10-round boxing match. Quick question. What's Mr. T's, like, real name? Lawrence 
something or other. Okay, I was just curious. Uh, I had that thought when I was watching. I was like, I don't know mean? if that's real. Oh, you just I, said I Lawrence. Sounds real. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious if you knew. Uh, not right offhand, no. <laughs> uh, so the story behind this match was that after WrestleMania 1, which we saw, Piper and Mr. T, real-life hatred for each other kind of became well-known. Piper really had a problem with an actor coming in with no wrestling skills. So in response, Mr. T became a special boxer in the WWF because the WWF wanted to keep him around. So basically, like, what is this in relation to Rocky Three? Well, because he was a boxer in in the movie. Yeah, yeah, but was so, that before this? Or? I think it was after I, I, Okay, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was after it. And so he competed in boxing matches on bigger shows, basically. WWF would bring... bring yeah, yeah. You do some, some worked boxing matches. Yeah. After the match with Orton that was on that Saturday night main event that we saw the video package from earlier, Piper and Orton started two-on-one assault, and Mr. T would demand revenge leading to this boxing match. So the match itself, first off, Frazier looked to be wearing the same uh, yeah, plaid yeah, pattern. Yeah, like, he pants, and I was like, it's just like, they have extra? Like, and like, or, or was I like, I don't know. Are, are we getting the swerve? Like, That's what I thought. Are you, are you literally telegraphing the swerve I, I right know. here? I know, and I loved it. From so Joe I was like, Frazier. I got excited uh, when I saw the when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's going to be so cool when Joe Frazier sells him down the road. Joe Frazier's just going to get in the ring and like punch Mr. T and yeah. knock him out. And that, that's going to be in the match. I'm like... I know. I saw, I saw that and I was like... like Joe Frazier, yeah. you fucked this do you think main that, event up again. Do you think they just had like extra fabric or uh, or that they were trying to like... like no, I like, think they probably just... Frazier probably forgot pants or, or something. It, I mean, it's, uh, it's Vince McMahon, so it could have been an idea and then they like were like reneged on it they're like oh yeah well we don't want to do that who knows as mr t and piper are getting their instructions from the ref piper is talking smack the entire time of course he is so we get our first round Uh, t gets inside and lands some body blows piper keeps throwing some punches even after the ref has told them to break Uh, mr t does a little peekaboo it's kind of like bouncing back and forth lands a solid left to the head of piper the bell rings and the two are still kind of going after each other. They finally get broken apart, and Mr. T goes to his corner, but Piper goes over and starts yelling at Mr. T. And I wrote down, I scored this as a real boxing match. You did? I did. That was, this is your score? Yeah. I scored the first round 10-9 for Mr. T. I don't understand. I, like, I, I mean, most I, matches I, are 10-9 unless... Okay, I, was, I don't understand how scoring works. I enjoy watching a boxing match, even though I'm like, ah, all I can think about at this point is like, that's your head. But uh, I still enjoy it over things like MMA, because it's like, oh, all they can do is this one thing, and it's more concise. That's understandable. And uh, I enjoy boxing, in theory, a lot. So we're going to go to our second round. Uh, literally seconds in, the ref pulls Piper back to his corner because he has too much grease on uh, his forehead. That's a... That's a Beautiful heel idea. Yeah. So the ref wipes off his forehead, uh, wipes off Mr. T's gloves, because I think they kind of thrown a few punches already. Uh, Piper's landing punches, but Mr. T keeps covering up. So it's But finally Mr. T's struggling. He's stuck in the corner. Piper's throwing haymakers. Uh, T goes down, and he, but he's on his knee before the ref even starts counting. But then he goes down again as the bell rings. And yeah, it gets right back. The, the ring... Uh, the bell doesn't save you in boxing, so 
The ref continues to count, but he finally get, he does get back up in time. During the rest period, Bob Orton throws water from a bucket all over Mr. T and his crew, which I was like, how is that a heel move? I'm like, you're... Cooling them off. Cooling them off. Lubing them up. <laughs> all right, cool. We, Orton, yeah. Uh, but I did score the second round 10-9 for Piper. For Piper. Okay. Round three, Piper stalking, throwing some left jabs. T gets Piper in the corner and starts landing some body shots, and Piper goes down to his butt, but he gets up in time. Piper's not keeping his guard up, so T is landing more and more punches, lands a big left, and Piper falls out of the ring, which they obviously they didn't because in boxing matches they usually have ties on the on the yeah, ropes yeah. so people can't fall through. They didn't obviously do that, but Piper gets back in by the seven count. Bell rings, each guy goes to their corner. Uh, Mr. T ends up getting up and goes over and starts yelling at Piper. And then right as the bell is about to ring, Piper grabs a stool and throws it at Mr. T. It's kind of awesome. But I scored the third round. I actually thought about giving this a 10-8 for Piper, or for, uh, for Mr. T. Because Piper fell out of the ring. Yeah, if that happened in a boxing match, it would not have continued. <laughs> But because... <laughs> because it's not a real boxing It's not a real boxing match. I still went 10-9. I love that you went to the extra mile and, and uh, scored this. So Piper is down 2-1 to one in rounds. Uh, we get the fourth round, and this is where this match falls apart. And they continued it even after he threw the chair, too. Would exactly. that happen in boxing? They were, they'd be like, nah, like, this is, nah, this is too much heat here. Both uh, contestants come out throwing haymakers. Piper shot and knocks, knocks out Mr. T's mouthpiece. Uh, you Mr. think it knocked it out, or you think Mr. T spit it out? Uh, he got knocked out. Uh, Mr. T backs Piper into the corner, and as the ref is trying to break it up, Piper ends up pushing the ref down, and then body slams Mr. T, and the bell rings as everyone jumps in. Uh, the ref raises Mr. T's arms because of the disqualification. Yeah, it's the heel move, right? You're not going to win. The, you're not going to win. RP doesn't give a shit. I really found this. Pretty entertaining, even though it's. I mean, you know, they. I feel, I'm glad this isn't a thing anymore, but it's gonna be a thing for a while. I feel like that it's a well that uh, wrestling goes back to over the years, and uh, I. Hope I, I mean, no, like not now, but like as we continue through this, we're gonna see. We're gonna see this a few more times for sure. I hope we see no more boxing matches. But I had, I, like it's entertainment. What I would have preferred is. A longer steamboat match, but you don't we, always get what you want. I think we can always want. agree with that. <laughs> the answer is always a longer steamboat match. Yeah. So we head to Rosemont, Illinois, and we get Gorilla Monsoon and Mean Gene Okerlund at ringside, and they introduce Kathy Lee Crosby, who will be sitting in to color commentate. She has a really cool silver jumpsuit, but who is Kathy Lee Crosby? Her husband is Dick Embersall. I know that name. Who is he a was guy? the president of NBC Sports. Okay. And he's the one that got Saturday Night Main Event on NBC. Okay. So he has, does he have more to do with wrestling as uh, it progresses at all? Not really. Okay. I know no. I've heard that name. Uh, Dick Emersall is also, he's probably more famous for being the one that really got the Olympics on NBC. I mean, he was the NBC sports guy, basically. Okay, yeah, I'm not a never been a, a big sports guy at all, but I know that I know that name. Yeah, I don't know 
Kathy Lee Crosby, and I assumed that she had nothing to do with uh, Bing Crosby or um, oh, why can't I think of his first name? The Crosby Stills Nash and Young guy, David Crosby. David Crosby. I assumed she had nothing to do with David Crosby no. either. She was the wife of Dick Ingersoll. Okay. And literally, she's going to color commentate her very first wrestling match that she's ever been to. Wait, isn't that? I felt that. I, that seems like to be a, a trend because that's how I felt about old Susie. It's a very good chance. And then she ended up getting some really weird matches to commentate on. Mm-hmm. So we go to our fifth match Velvet McIntyre versus. Fabulous Moolah for the WWF Women's Championship. Velvet McIntyre is a cool name. Now the match was only as cool as your name. <laughs> so Moolah, uh, they're both in the ring, and Moolah is trying to get around the ref to attack Velvet, and he like just keeps walking in her way, which is kind of funny. Uh, but she finally gets around, attacks Velvet with a couple of hair-dragged snapmares, which looks kind of cool. Um, but Velvet comes back with a drop kick and a body slam. Velvet goes to the second rope, attempts a splash, but Moolah moves, and then covers Velvet for the pin. I feel like that, I mean, obviously this was very short. and 59 seconds. Nothing happens, but the stuff that does happen looks good. It does, it does. look good. Like, the drop kick looks good. Like, the slam looks good. The snapmares look alright. Like, it's not a bad-looking match. It's just like, I guess we gotta do this. There are rumors... Like, I couldn't fully, couldn't decide if, if it was true or not, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was so... Couldn't I'm, suss out the truth. Yeah. But Velvet McIntyre was not in the greatest of graces with Vince. Like, and basically, he, so he told Mula to go out there and... Oh. Do the old school thing and... Give her some receipts in the ring. Basically. That's not cool. <laughs> and just, and so the match was supposed to go longer than 59 seconds, but... Yeah, he was just like, go and take care of it. Well, maybe that's why it looked so good for a little bit. It might have. Jesus. So we go back to Gorilla, Mean Gene, and Kathy at ringside. They're previewing this battle royal. They're they're making this battle royal seem like it's a big deal. I'm glad it's a big deal to somebody. Kathy is going without headphones while Mean Gene and Gorilla have headphones on. And then she even comments that it's so loud in the crowd. So... Can you hear what everyone else is saying? But we go to our sixth match. Nikolai Volkov with Freddie Blassie versus Corporal Kirchner. Is he classy yet? Uh, yes, he's always been classy. <laughs> um, and this is a flag match. So I got a question before we start this match. Uh-huh. When I say the words flag match, what do you think? I think that there is a flag in each corner and they're trying to protect it by... like. You know, keeping the guy on the other side, like, you know, closer to their flag, right? That's kind of what I think. When I think or of a flag, I think, match, of like, I think like almost a flag like, on a pole, kind of like a. I like, think which, basically the sombrero yeah. on a pole, flag yeah. on a pole match. But it's like, but, but they each have their, their separate flag, so it would just have to be like, I guess you could have both of them and they grab their flag, obviously. But I thought it would either be kind of like a, a like capture the flag thing, which is. Not going to work very well <laughs> in, like, wrestling, but that isn't going to stop it from happening, necessarily. Or it'd be, like, you know, on a, on a pole. Yeah. Everything on a pole forever. Well, let's find out <laughs> Yeah, I... what they mean by a flag <laughs> match. We start off with Volkov singing the Russian nat- national anthem. Heat, baby. Lots of heat. People throw shit. Uh, Kirchner's music hits to interrupt. Lots of USA chants. 
He's wearing, yeah, he's, he's got some camo on, so, so we know for sure yeah, exactly. how much he loves this guy. Either that or he's trying to hide. <laughs> uh, so match starts brawling outside right next to the Soviet flag, um, and Kirchner's bleeding. Yeah, well, doesn't he bite his face open? Um, he does, but you can also see him, like, being seen bleeding <laughs> as well. well. He didn't actually bite his head open. No. Like, you can literally see the blade. Yeah. Is there head. anybody out there whose forehead looks as bad as Abdul the Butcher's? No. Like, it actually looks like it was no. chewed off. I was just curious, because I've never seen anybody's look so bad. And it's like, he hit it with a machete every time. Exactly. And every time I see somebody blade, and there's guys now, and you watch interviews, and they're older, and you know they used to blade all the time, but you never see that kind of... Like horrific scar tissue, where his like forehead looks like Thanos' chin. <laughs> so Kirchner goes to hit Volkov in the corner, but madly swings and accidentally hits the ref. And Volkov uses the distraction to turn the tide. Blassie throws his cane in, but Kirchner catches it and hits Volkov with it. That's cool. Kirchner goes for the pin, and the ref is there for the three count. So how was this a flag match? Because whoever wins the match gets to be handed their flag in the middle of the ring and swing it back and forth in victory. Really? Uh, that's what happens, right? Really? Oh, it's, it's dumb. That's it? It's so dumb. It, I think that would have been really bad. This is, this is dumber, but it's funny. Is if it was a flag match and whoever won... They held the guy down and tattooed the other guy's flag on their back, <laughs> which is pretty brutal. That would have been more But it would have meant something. Then that match could have headlined, because that's, <laughs> like, exactly. that's intense. Especially if he's like trying to get away, so the tattoo's going to look real bad. Exactly. It's like this p- p- pay-per-view turned from like three hours long into like six, because they're just doing a giant like, we color block. just have to sit there and watch them do the tattoo. I would have probably watched it. I might have passed out eventually, but I, I would have stuck around for it. Definitely. So then we get Chet Kopic, who's our Chicago ring announcer, announces the guest ring announcer, which is Mean Gene Okerlund. He's a guest? So I was like, all right, cool. And Mean Gene goes over the rules of the Battle Royal. Elimination occurs when a gentleman is thrown over the top rope and onto the floor. Process continues till there is one man left. Oh, is that how that works? I mean... Hey, it's, it's only the, WrestleMania 2, I'm sorry. Exactly. I won't... This might be the only time I ever give those rules. So Mean Gene announces our guest timekeeper. It's Clara Peller. Do you know who Clara Peller is? Um, only because of your notes, but I know now. And what's the deal? How do they do in Burger King and Wendy's? Exactly. She's the where's the beef lady from the Wendy's commercials. But was, isn't where's the beef like later a like actual like... Like national beef commercial thing, uh, but did it start as a Wendy's thing? Maybe I'm not okay. sure. And then Oakland announces the guest referees of Dick Buckus and Ed Two Tall Jones, who are former football players. Yeah, I mean, is it, uh, I assume that, is Dick Buckus a coach yet? I know him as a coach because I watched a lot of SNL as a kid. Uh, so like the Bears is like might have been a is coach how at I know Dick point. Buckus. Also because he probably has the best real name that's a really good Simpsons gag. <laughs> like it's like it, Dick Butkus is the best the best fake real name. Exactly. Like I'm sure there's somebody out there named like a Bendover joke or whatever, but uh Dick Butkus oh, There's definitely a Bendover somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Dick Butkus is can't you can't you can't write that. Not even Vince McMahon can write that. No. 
And then we have, uh, since Mean Gene's the guest ring announcer, Gorilla's got to have someone join him on the commentary booth. So Ernie Ladd. Uh, I thought this was my girl, but it's not. Ladd is actually a member of the NWA, professional wrestling, WCW, WWF, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. He's a pretty big deal back in the day. I have no clue who he is. Oh, you don't? Okay, I was, just, I was ready for my Matt knowledge. But he's a it's Hall a, of Famer. A deep dive on Ernie Ladd. I, I'm sure if we find any Ernie Ladd uh, videos on the internet, they're going to be real real hard to parse out with our eyes. Like, Probably. Yeah. And so then we come to our seventh match. The WWF versus NFL Battle Royal. Alright, Matt. Uh, you can take this one as far as you'd like, really. So the participants in this match are Jimbo Covert from the Chicago Bears, Pedro Morales, who is a member of the Professional Wrestling, WWF, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, who's in the WWF Hall of Fame, Ted Archie, Harvey Martin of the Dallas Cowboys, Golden Boy Dan Spivey, Hillbilly Jim, who's in the WWE Hall of Fame, King Tonga. I actually wrote their names. Do you know who King Tonga is? The father of Tama Tonga. Do you know what other name he goes by in the WWF? Uh, Later on. He's not Haku, is he? He is Haku. He also goes by Ming in WCW later in the day, too. Uh, Iron Sheik. Yeah, at least he's on the show. Uh, Ernie Holmes from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who are the Killer Bees? Killer Bees were a tag team. I like their name. Of B. Brian Blair and Jim Brazell. Big John Studs in the match. Bill Fralick from the Atlanta Falcons. Our first... Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. Hart Foundation. I know. Bret Hart. Best there is. Best there was. Best there ever will be. He's and, somewhere in Canada being sad. And he's also <laughs> been inducted into the Professional Wrestling Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. And now just announced... The Hart Foundation's going Well, there. I guess he just went in. Because this will come out after WrestleMania. Yeah. He's a two-time... WWE is it Hall of Famer. Is it going to be Neidhart's first? Neidhart's first as okay. member of the Hart Foundation. Uh, Russ Francis, who's a San Francisco 49er. Bruno Sammartino, because yeah. you got to have Bruno on the show. And William Refrigerator Perry from the Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah, and this guy named Andre the Giant. Well, I mean, Refrigerator got a big pop, for sure. Since the show was in Chicago, that's why he got the big pop. Yeah, and uh, Andre, uh, with as... The eighth wonder of the world. Exactly. Actually, I forgot. William Perry's actually inducted in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. All right. So, yeah, I didn't know there was celebrities. Like, what? Him and Mike Tyson? Maybe uh, Cindy Lauper? Cindy Lauper's not actually in it. Oh, that's justice know, right? for Cindy Lauper. I know, right? Get her in there. That's important shit. What about so, Ozzy Osbourne? Ozzy's not in there either. <laughs> I'm sure that he doesn't show up more than once. British Bulldogs forever, brother. So here we go. Here's the match. I don't even need that. Go ahead, bud. So Jimbo Colbert and King Tonga are eliminated by Bill Fralick. Ernie Holmes eliminated by Bruno Sammartino. We see Andre and Stud going after each other in the corner, which is kind of a callback to WrestleMania 1. Yeah, and then like, who else is going to stand with Andre? Jim Brunzel is eliminated by the Anvil. Tony Atlas is eliminated by the Fridge. Wouldn't that be a good tag team? Anvil in the fridge. Oh, yeah. Or maybe just a good sitcom. Yeah. I'd watch that. Pedro Morales goes to slam Harvey Martin over the rope, but Martin holds on to Morales, and both men fall over the top rope and out. 
And then we see Harvey Martin fighting with the refs on the outside, which Harvey Ed Tuttle Jones was one of Harvey Martin's teammates, so why was he fighting with him? That's dumb. Then we have Ted Archie eliminated by a group of participants. It was literally like four or five. I couldn't tell who exactly yeah, was Yeah, there's the a lot going on. I kind of, I sat back. Sat and, back and, and just and enjoyed a beer this while this, Yeah, enjoyed is a strong word. Dan Spivey's eliminated by the Iron Sheik. We see Hillbilly Jim and B. Brian Blair fighting to get each other over the rope, and then Iron Sheik just walks up behind and just helps them both out of the ring. Freilich is then eliminated by Sheik and Stud. And then Sheik is eliminated by a back body drop by Bruno Sammartino. At least we get two guys that uh, matter in a decent spot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bruno's then thrown from the ring by J- Big John Stud. Uh, we see the fridge shoulder block both members of the Hart Foundation who fly over the top rope, but they catch the rope oh, yeah. and they stay and they both hang on and able to stay in the match. We then see Fridge and Stud have a confrontation, which sees Perry give a couple of shoulder blocks. But then, on the third attempt, Stud hip-tosses him over the top rope. And then Perry's down on the ground, and he like looks up, and he's like, Ah, good job, Was it, okay. Stud. Is it in, in this match, like, Perry is wearing some pretty ill-fitting stuff? He's got, like, a weird, like, red... It's like a red singlet. It's a red singlet on with... On. with uh, Blue sweatpants. Yeah, yeah, but and his sweatpants keep falling down. You yeah, you can basically see his, see, see his ass crack. But it's weird because it looks like a a one piece bathing suit in the front, but mm-hmm. in the back you can still see his ass. So I'm like, do they just like tie it to his junk? Like, why is it still like going down in the middle? And like, was it connected in the back? It makes a lo- like doesn't make any sense. And I feel bad for I the guy. I don't really want to know anymore. Than... <sighs> Color me interested. I'm, uh, I was just like, what is this? What is this getup? They should have just put the man in anything but what he was wearing. I mean, they just had all the NFL guys just in sweats. I mean, I would have put them in at least jerseys of the teams they played that's a, for. That's a great idea. I would, this would, it would have been a beautiful visual, too. Because they... I then see, you have literally yeah, NFL like, versus I don't know, WWF guys. Yeah, I don't know anything. Like, I know what... If, I, if you show me a jersey, I can tell you what team it is, but that's about it. At least, I assume that these guys aren't all on the same team. No, they Because otherwise, they would have all banded together and just pushed all the wrestlers out, which would have also been a fun moment. That wouldn't have made any sense. It would not have made any sense, but I'll take anything that's fun over the next. Exactly. Kind of like this moment that we're at now. So, Perry has just been thrown over by John Studd. Mm-hmm. And he like, looks up and he's like, well done, well done. And he reaches up, shake my hand. And Stud's like, sure, shakes his hand, and then Perry pulls him over the yeah, top. Yeah, fridge, fridge could have been a fridge could have been a heel. Totally, fridge and anvil. So we're down and to the heel tag team. <laughs> so we're down to four left. We got Andre the Giant, Hart Foundation, and Russ Francis. And Russ Francis is a football player. He's a football player. He does have some wrestling experience, though. He, oh, yeah. he wrestled back in college. This is a this is a hell of a, a catch style wrestling exactly. match. So we see a drop kick by the foundation to Andre, kind of tangles him up in the ropes, and then they head over to eliminate Francis. They come back to Andre, start double teaming him, but Andre gives uh, Bret Hart a big boot, and then a big boot to uh, Jim Neidhart, sends him over the ropes, which was the best selling job of the night, because like literally kicks him in the middle of the ring, and then he flies... He like goes straight oh, right yeah. and over the ropes. And it's like, what? You were in the middle of the ring. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know he goes back like, 
He, he goes, he, not the exact Literally, opposite. Like, if I kicked you kick straight forward. on, instead of you going backwards, you would go right. Right, or left. exactly. We have Brett versus Andre. Final two. And then Brett, for some reason, goes to the top rope, which is not the smartest move in, in a battle royal. And Andre grabs him. moment, he's got to look big. And body slams him onto Neidhart, who's out on the floor. And Andre wins. Yep. Com- Andre never lost a battle royal How could he, he was in. How could he lose? Could you I, believe it if he lost? The uh, I like in my notes, anytime uh, Bret Hart shows up, I just drew a heart. <laughs> Instead of writing like a shorthand. It's great. So we're headed back to New York. Vince and Susan are there with Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. And we get some more thinly veiled racist he's, comments. He says gnarly bristles about his hair. And then he flirts with Susan a little bit. Which, I mean. Yeah, he says another thing about dyeing myself black and needing a haircut. Yeah. Head back to Chicago. Mean Jeans there has Jimbo Colvert from the Battle Royal saying he got cheated. Which, I'm like, first of all, you were the first person eliminated. And second of all, you got eliminated by a football player. So I don't know how you got cheated. And then Iron Sheik joins with Gene Mean. Gene Mean. Mean Gene. And this tells him, wrestler better than football player. That's... I'm with you, Sheik. <laughs> Wrestling is, is better than football. And then down to Gorilla and Kathy, they talk through some highlights of the Battle Royal, because that's obviously what we need. And what, then what we get the Andre winning. I'm, I'm sorry. Bret Hart, first WrestleMania. Yeah, that's cool. Nightheart. Perry doing he some got, stuff. He got, he got a good pop. Yeah. He was kind of the star. Then we get our eighth match of the night. The Dream Team, Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake with Johnny Valiant versus the British Bulldogs of Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid with Captain Lou Albano and Ozzy Osbourne in their corner. For the WWF... I popped for Ozzy because I'm a big Black Sabbath fan, but I did not know that he was ever at WrestleMania, so I definitely like popped in my living room and was like, oh shit, this is fucking Ozzy. And he's wearing like this beautiful peach-colored suit. It's very silly. And this match is for the WWF Tag Team Championships. So there's a little bit of story. These two teams had kind of been feuding over the past few months with the Bulldogs never ever quite able to get the win. Like the Dream Team kept winning by DQ or just, you know. You run. mean Valentine kept, kept winning by DQ? Basically. Because, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm throwing shade on Brutus already. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing new. No, the whole wrestling new. community has done it. it the years. whole wrestling community has done it. So the champions actually get announced first, which is foreshadowing. Mm, yeah. And then the Bulldogs get and actually do get an entrance. Valiant takes his time getting out of the ring to stall the beginning of the match. But once they do get started, Valentine tries to reverse a suplex attempt. But Davy Boy Smith gets him up for the vertical suplex. And then we get a press slam on Beefcake by Davy Boy. Gorilla mentions that Ozzy is shaking in the corner from the excitement. I'm sure it was the excitement, which is really funny because I I I noticed that being big, big Sabbath, big Ozzy fan, and I was in like middle school when the Osbournes was a thing. Uh, I saw the very last U.S. Black Sabbath show a couple of years ago. It was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, that man has been shaking his whole life, and uh, I don't think any of it's been from uh, honest to God uh, excitement. excitement. No, I was like, no gorilla. It's just probably the drugs. Yeah. I can't believe the man's still alive. So then Valentine gives Dynamite Kid 
a very dirty looking pile driver. I don't know how Dynamite Kid kept wrestling after this pile driver. It was dirty. Uh, I had in my notes that we finally get a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It felt really good. Valentine goes to the top rope, gets press slammed by Dynamite Kid. Uh, but Beefcake comes in to break up the pin. Davy Boy Smith gets to him first, knocks him out of the ring. And the Bulldogs go to do a double team maneuver where Davy Boy would press slam Dynamite Kid onto Valentine. Yeah. Valentine was able to roll out of the ring, so they were unable to do it, which would have been a really cool move. But then we get a Davy Boy running power slam, which I think ended up being his finisher uh, back when he was a singles. Once he comes we back in a singles. singles guy. And he completes a snap suplex. They both lead to two counts on Valentine. Valentine reverses an Irish whip to send Davy Boy shoulder first into the ring post. And then the Dream Team begins to work over the shoulder of, of Davy Boy. We then get Dynamite Kid. We see him in the corner, which I knew it was Dynamite Kid. You knew it was Dynamite Kid. Gorilla Monsoon did not know it was Dynamite Kid, as he mistakenly he, called him Davy Boy. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. He's the announcer. He shouldn't make mistakes like yeah, that. Yeah, and eventually the owner of the company, right? Exactly. <laughs> president. <laughs> yeah, president, the president. Uh, so he's up on the apron, waiting for a tag, climbs onto the second rope, and Davy Boy ends up throwing Valentine into the corner, and Valentine and D- Dynamite Kid hit heads. Dynamite Kid falls off in, onto the floor. He's out of it. Valentine f- falls over in the ring. Davy Boy covers him for the pin. And new! Post-match. Beefcake beef and Valentine beat up the ref. <laughs> they beat up the ref because they got to get their heat back. Yeah. And But literally while this is all happening, you see Kathy and Mean Gene crawling into the ring to talk to the new champions. Dynamite Kid's still out on the floor. Davy Boy's gone to check on him, so they're nowhere to be found. So they start talking to Captain Lou and Ozzy. Ozzy well, I, Ozzy's you, the you, only person... That talks, well, that makes any he's, sense. He's kind of amazing. Which is amazing. What does he say? I, I, I think he I said know British he, Bulldogs forever. British Bulldogs forever. I can't do an Aussie. British Bulldogs forever. <laughs> I know I could, that was probably sound like I'm a four-year-old. I don't know how to do an Aussie. But you, how hard do you think that Lou and Osborne partied after this? I don't know if the party stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, is Lou alive? I don't think so. Yeah. I think he may be dead. I'm still I'm trying to sure. figure out uh, what what what's in his goddamn face because I've never I seen that. No and I think face. that it's I think it's almost cool, but it's it doesn't fit on him because he's kind of like a schlubby guy. But to me, if it you looks ever like, show up with that, I'm, I'm just going to be like, I'm not going to do dude, that. Yeah, we're not friends. I don't. Subs- you wouldn't leave me for that. I take this podcast <laughs> on the road. <laughs> but I I feel like it would make more sense if he was like some alternative guy, like if he was some. You know, crazy new wave guy or some crazy goth guy, but he just kind of looks like you a know, fat slob with a yeah push hook in his yeah. Cheek. It, it looks like you're like you're if you went to go meet your girlfriend's parents and like they make he looks like they're like lower guy like lower middle who class. Makes you call him captain. <sighs> Touche, but the shit in his face, I can't figure it out. I can't either. And it's not like ah, oh, I can't believe he has a nose ring. It's not like me being an old guy. It's like he seriously has. Like fish hooks hanging out of his cheeks. And I want to know what they are so bad. Let's call him up. Let's do it. Gorilla says goodbye and sends it back to Vince in New York. And then we get Vince and Susan previewing the L.A. portion, all while some 80s jazz music's being played behind so them. So has this all been the 
At the first venue? No. Okay. The first four matches were in New York. Okay. The second four matches, so oh, really? from the Fabulous Mula match mm-hmm. to the tag team match, were in Chicago. And then this last portion? And then this next portion is all so in So it's LA. not like, what what show was it previously where they switched between? That was Starcade 85? I feel like that they both make sense and have their... their Starcade like, 85, they switched back and yeah, forth. Yeah, which I feel like kind of makes a good amount of sense, but it's kind of hard because it gives everybody time to cool off because they're like watching it on the projection or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because like, at, but then each, like somebody... at each place, like when their stuff wasn't happening, yeah. a big screen would come down and they would show. Yeah, which is cool on the screen. It's not as exciting, so it's basically a closed circuit at yeah. that point. But the idea that the people that get the first four matches or however many it is, they don't get as good of a show because you're not going back and forth. Like it doesn't ramp up. You know. It's still well, the car. Each, still each the car. show was supposed to be basically like had a main event. Yeah, but not everybody has yeah, a good main event. But like, what was the main event of the first part? The boxing match. The boxing match. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. And then this one was the the tag match. So they get their. Well, I think actually the main event for this one for Chicago was more of the battle royal. But then since they needed the, to have a since, the, match. since the tag match had a championship. Yeah. Involved, mm-hmm. they put it on after the battle royal. I'm interested in what the like what the dark matches were because they obviously had to have some, right? I don't. I mean, know. I, I mean, I because yeah, it's it's Who hard knows? to tell, I guess, because they have the I don't know. It's just really interesting the way that that uh, worked back then, or having shows in yeah. different places. And then we head out to L.A. where we get Jesse Ventura, Lord Alfred Hayes. Hey, you know what? He's not as bad on this show. He's not. And I'm glad we can agree on that. The Colin commentator. Elvira. Elvira. Uh, it's cool. It's cool that she's here, and she's pretty fun, considering she probably doesn't know anything about wrestling. She's definitely more, uh, obviously she doesn't if you watch the show, but she's, I mean, maybe it's just because She's like used horror. to commentating and being funny. Yeah. Well, she has, like, uh, Susan is an actress. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically El- Elvira is an actress Actually, well. Elvi- Elvira is more of, like, a television personality. She's, yeah. like, a host. She, like, hosts a So thing. she's better improv, basically, yeah. and that, and that helps she, with... She's more fun, and also she gets to sit next to Jesse, which is going to be way more fun than anybody sitting next to Vince. Like, oh. Susan could have been, like, the funniest woman on the planet and it still would not have come across Vince saps all that <laughs> charisma out yeah. so first match in LA or ninth match of the evening Hercules Hernandez versus Ricky Steamboat now originally this was actually supposed to be where Bret Hart made his debut oh so against, the him and Steamboat against the oh, him and Steamboat how fucking amazing would have that been because they had been they had been feuding a little bit how, that would have been the best show of the evening I know, right <laughs> Hey, like, is there is there going to be a show where we watch where there is a Bret Hart steamboat? I have no clue. Burner? Uh, I guess that's why we're doing this. That's right. That's why we're doing okay. this. I'm excited now that that's a possibility. So Hercules Hernandez. I think I found out where Her- Assassin Number Two went. Oh yeah, he changed his name. Yeah, he's just Hercules Hernandez. So can, can we call him Double H? <laughs> I think you can. <laughs> so Hercules attacks Ricky before the bell. Some really good looking arm drags. Obviously, by Steamboat. Yeah. Uh, they almost look like Spanish flies. Yeah, they're because they're so quick. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. I was like, I had to rewind a couple times. I was, was like, like, those were just arm drags, yeah. right? I mean, it was almost like a Destino without the DDT part. Yeah. And what's crazy is, like, I don't know if Ricky Steamboat partied, but if you assume, if you 
ever watched any documentary or you see the man and how he aged aged mm-hmm. he doesn't look like he partied no. and I'm like how is he moving that quick in the ring he's just a he's just honestly a freak athlete I feel like he had to slow down for some people yeah oh I'm sure he did uh, then we get a couple of leapfrogs followed by a back elbow and then a vertical suplex yeah, by Steamboat Ricky's, Ricky's working his arm this is kind of the story here right uh, basically, Hercules gives a vicious-looking clothesline, um, which, I mean, Steamboat sells great. Yeah. Uh, Ricky goes to body slam Hercules, but loses his feet from under him, and Hernandez lands on top of him for a two-count. A couple of press slams by Hercules. And I also noticed the audio for the announcers was kind of low yeah. in the mix, kind of unintelligible. I couldn't completely I tell mean, what they were it saying. Been, it could have been... Uh... A bizarre editing choice, or it could have been, you know, it just, might have been just the technology at the time. Like things are going to go in and out. Because I think this was the only match I really realized it on that I couldn't understand really what they were saying. Yeah. But then Hercules goes to the top rope, attempts a splash, but Steamboat gets the knees up, and then that Steam- knee up looked good too because it didn't. I feel like it was quicker. Yeah. It was like more last minute. Very uh, last. It second, wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It didn't feel as planned. And then Steamboat heads to the top rope and lands a flying body press for the pin to win. And then it goes to the logo of WrestleMania 2, which I almost felt like maybe it was like something... intermission. I thought it was like, was it intermission or did something get cut out and so yeah. they put that in? That's what I kind of felt like it was, yeah. but I haven't been able to find anything that says something was cut out. So maybe maybe they didn't have an intermission at the time back in the day. I mean, but I mean, each, it's over the each course. Each place of, only had four four matches. matches yeah. So I'm like, I don't see why they need an intermission. I'm curious if there's like dark or post matches, but it doesn't really matter at this point. This was <laughs> 23 years. 33 years. Yeah, ago. I wish this match was longer. It was too fast. Yes. Honestly, a lot of these matches, I don't know if it was because I normally watch these on my. Com- computer but i was so i have like a desk and i can like take notes but my computer crapped out and i was watching them in the living room and i was taking notes so i don't know if that's the issue but i felt like so i couldn't keep up as well and did this show seem fast to you did the matches seem kind of like quick there wasn't like everything just like i wouldn't call it a like quote unquote spot fest but it seemed like everybody just had to get their shit in and get out basically and uh, that was kind of my takeaway from the show is like None of the matches had, like, there was no time to breathe at all. Yeah. And uh, if you were going to let any of them breathe, I think, match. I think that Steamboat Hernandez match could have used the breath. Though, I mean, Her- Hercules was a little green still. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's why they true. put him with Steamboat, because Steamboat can carry him. But match. I mean, he's, he's, but he was assassin number two. Yeah, He'd know. been doing it for a while. He'd been doing he it just, for a while. He mean, like, he's Bret Hart. Bret Hart can carry a match. Yeah. Like you could have a you could have a four star match with Kazuchika Okada. I probably could. <laughs> like uh, I mean, yeah, I've never wrestled a day in my com- life. I have confidence in my yeah, own abilities. Yeah, but yeah, if you you know threw me a couple uh, Red Bulls, uh, maybe like, maybe he could make me look like. Those Shota Umino in there with Okada, <laughs> and they probably have a seven star match. Oh man, yeah. Umino's gonna be so good. Yeah, we'll see him in four years. Exactly. So the tenth match, adorable. Adrian Adonis with I, Jimmy Hart versus Uncle Elmer. I miss my bowling ball black trunk Adonis. The adorable thing, I like the name adorable Adrian Adonis. Adonis. I like the uh, alliteration. I like that he comes out in pink. I love the uh, 
spraying of the perfume, but they just go a little bit too far to where it's not very fun anymore. Also, they don't give anybody to wrestle. And he just he's basically... I felt Adonis of, needed to watch some YouTube for some makeup tips. I mean, if he's still alive, I will YouTube him some, some any makeup clip. I don't know. Elmer got some banjo music on... Uh, was, that, was that added in, you think? They actually, it was... His theme song was actually the same as Hillbilly Jim because Hillbilly Jim was basically like his... Yeah. Uncle Elmer was Hillbilly Jim's uncle. Yeah, I mean, they were like... They and tagged they, on house shows. They came out to them. a song, so no, the banjo music was totally... It was it was obviously overdubbed. Overdubbed music. And I, it went I also, forever. I also would say Adonis' act is not PC in 2019. No, it's like... I mean, it was lame back then. I have no issue It was. With, a little, it, it was better than Miss Atlanta Lively. It was better than that, for sure. But I have no issues with a like like effeminate wrestling character that's not actually homosexual. And I didn't necessarily have like I'm I'm not mad about adorable Adrian Adonis. I just think that it could have been better. Yeah. So Elmer starts attacking Adonis and Adonis is overselling everything. Yeah. Which obviously that's kind of the joke. That's the 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 limp wrist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Elmer rips Adonis's dress and then flips him into the ring. We get a big avalanche splash by Elmer, but then a missed leg drop, and Adonis goes to the top rope, hits a diving headbutt for the win. Elvira doesn't trust a man in pink leg warmers. No. She also uh, says something about she's never seen this much cellulite, and I don't know how she says it. She says it incorrectly. She's like cellulite or something, but she says it incorrectly, and I was like, what did she say? And I thought about it for a second, but I thought it was funny that she mispronounced cellulite. Post-match, Adonis keeps attacking Elmer, which I don't know why, because you just beat him already. And then we get Hayes in the back with Hulk Hogan, and then possibly my favorite thing Hulk Hogan's ever said. He says, awful Alfred. That's what he calls him. I'm just like, I guess it's Mean Gene, Awful Alfred. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, good. it's good. But then we go to our 11th match, which might be Michael's favorite match of the night. I mean... It's the Funk Brothers, Terry and Haas Funk. Which is Dory Funk, right? Which is Dory Funk Jr., who's an NWA, professional wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. This man is still alive. Dory is still alive. He's like in Florida, probably like every other wrestler on the planet. The last time I saw him, he was at the 70th anniversary show for NWA. Yeah, but he still has a training school. Uh, yeah. He was, he had a, did an interview recently with like Jericho or something. And he was telling like, because he did a lot of Japanese stuff. Uh, but it was pretty fun because you could just listen to him. I mean, he's a funk, so he already sounds like the ghost of a dead child. <laughs> but like, he's, he's really old, but he's still like kind of together and it was a pretty cute thing to hear yeah they have jimmy hart in their corner and they're versus tito santana and junkyard dog that's that's my boy and also like i like the pairing of tito and junkyard because it's like oh somebody that can wrestle and then somebody with all the swagger on the and junkyard dog and (laughs) swagger is important (laughs) the story behind this match is actually junkyard dog had come to the aid of ring announcer Mel Phillips when because he is for everyone. put on Terry Funk's hat at one point, and Terry Funk started yelling at him. JYD came to his came to his aid, which led to basically a JYD and Terry Funk feud. 
And that's the continuation of this. So as Tito and Junkyard Dog come out, we get a little grab, grab them cakes. cakes. So basically, it was their feud, and they're like, it's WrestleMania, let's get more people in the ring. Uh, it's called, let's get a couple guys who can wrestle. Hey, a Funk and Junkyard Dog match could potentially be good. It would be a brawl the entire time. Well, of course, but... I'm just saying, that's yeah, what it would be. That's fine. I know, but there's sometimes a brawl. I mean, I don't know. I love a good brawl with guys that can wrestle. So as the match starts, Terry doesn't want to be, doesn't wait to be tagged in. He keeps jumping in to attack JYD, but JYD body slams both of the Funk brothers, and then slams Terry's head into the turnbuckle for ten, and then grabs him and does it seven more times. <laughs> yeah, I like that it wasn't even. And also, like, we actually get hear the crowd count along. Yeah, which because a lot of the first time that we've heard heard, heard that like, count on because I'm always waiting for it because it's just so ingrained. Yeah, in anybody probably even older than me to count those hits. So in other shows when I've watched, I've always been surprised that I can't hear the crowd, which makes sense potentially with the technology. But yeah. uh, here, you know, you can hear them and it, exactly. it's all good. And then we get a JYD standing headbutt before tossing Terry out of the ring. Tito, Haas, Tito and Haas are running the ropes when Terry knees Tito in the back and then throws Santana from the ring. Terry does a vertical suplex on Tito, goes to do another, but Santana reverses it for a vertical suplex of his own. Terry hits a standing leg drop but tries a second, and Tito moves out of the way. So this leads to Terry try, or Tito trying to make it to the corner for the tag. But Terry just kind of keeps him boxed in. They kind of do this little cat and mouse thing. But Tito finally slips past. Hot tag. JYD with the right to the left. The double noggin knocker. Is that what it's called? Sure, why not? Oh, I like that's, it. That's why. Why not oh, call it that? You know I love my headbutts. Big clothesline to Terry and knocks Haas off the apron. And then but Terry comes from behind with tape and begins to strangle JYD. But a headbutt and then a back body drop over the ropes sends Terry to the floor. JYD and Haas are brawling on the floor, and it gives a headbutt to him, and then a body slam of Terry Funk through the table. It's our first table spot. I don't even remember the table spot. I'm upset with myself. I mean, like seriously. through the, it's, it's like uh, it's not the announcer's table. It's, it's the timekeeper's table. So it's just a bell. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone finally gets back to the ring. JYD's. Uh, ends up grabbing Jimmy Hart and brings him up on the apron, and then a right hand sends him back out on the floor. Who has ever seen Jimmy Hart and not wanted to hit him? <laughs> uh, we get a small package by JYD, but Haas breaks up the pin. It's a small package. It should have won. should have. <laughs> uh, but Tito comes in, puts a figure four on Haas, but the ref breaks that up as they are not the legal men. And so the ref is then trying to get Tito back in his corner, and Jimmy Hart tosses the megaphone up to Terry Funk, hits JYD on the top of the head, and rolls on top of him for the win. I hate to see my man take a pin, but... It's the first time you've seen JYD lose. He, I'm, he's going to lose probably a lot as we go on. Tito got a shit in. <laughs> <laughs> Tito got I mean, shit yeah, in. it's like... Because we all know Terry Funk, he's super, he's Terry Funk, but Terry Funk is not famous for work Wrestling. rate, he's famous for getting, going through tables, yeah, for getting cut up in Japan, and I don't think that, JYD never, never did a hardcore match, did he ever do a, a Japanese stint? Who knows, 
So after that, we see the steel cage start to be set up, and we unfortunately get some playful banner banter between Ventura and Elvira during this time. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not unfortunate. It's good, right? Uh, it's all right. I'm trying a little too hard, in my opinion. Oh well, yeah. And then we see a video package. Oh no, there, there's there, there was a good one where Jesse says something about is like this looks like something that would be in uh, your house or whatever. The the oh, cage, the steel the cage. cage or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah and. She probably agreed with him. Yeah, she goes to make like a sex joke or whatever, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but one with with bats all in it or whatever, like, and he just like skips over the sex joke. It's pretty funny, and she like giggles because she's like, yeah, something like that, obviously insinuating the horror sex joke. It was funny. So we see a video package setting up the steel cage match. We see Mean Gene at Hogan's gym where Hulk is working out with bandages around his ribs, and he sends it to a replay of a Saturday Night Main Event show. Which just so happens to be the same Saturday Night Main Event show that we saw earlier in the night with the Mr. T. Like, all this was set up at that one show. Oh, yeah. Kind of it was crazy. like, like, uh, like Raw before Mania. Yeah, it's the, it's the go-home show, guys. <laughs> uh, we see Hogan choking Bobby Heenan in the, in the replay when King Kong Bundy comes in and hits Hogan from behind. Hogan was in a match with Magnificent Morocco, and so Morocco's there as well. And he begins holding Hogan's arms around the ring post to basically stretch oh, yeah. him out completely. No, it's good. I, uh, honestly, this package is good. And then Bundy ends up giving an avalanche splash in the corner Which is just, three times. just means that he runs with all of his weight into him in the corner. But exactly. Hulk's back is exposed, hence the bandage. They finally let him, let him go, and he's mm-hmm. on the ground in the middle of the ring. Bundy gives him two more splashes. So he's been hit five times. That's, this is the reason why he has the bandages around his ribs. Yeah. We go back to the gym. Mean Gene talks to the doctor that's there. and he, They could the have got, got a better doctor. He advised him not to wrestle. Also, Hillbilly Jim was there in the, in the gym just kind of watching him lift weights. Hillbilly which, Jim's a face. But Hogan has a commitment to the Hulkamaniacs yeah, all those little to compete. Yeah, this is pre-Postamania. This is Hulkamania. <laughs> And then we see Hogan doing chin-ups with four a 400-pound weight wrapped around his neck. They didn't say 400 pounds, right? He it can't. was 100. It, the weight said 100 pounds, and there was four of them. Really? I thought it was like 40 pounds, and then he was doing like the chin-ups. Because that, that, that weight's not big enough to be. I'm like, I literally have no clue. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was only 100 pounds. And yeah. maybe I'd... I'll do a thousand, brother. <laughs> I don't lift weights. I'll admit it right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But then we go back to Ventura, who's in the back with Heenan and Bundy. Uh, I did like that he called referred to the ambulance as a coffin. That's all I got. I liked Ventura was worried that Bundy's beautiful face was on the line in the steel cage match. Can we talk about uh, Bundy's look? Sure. Let's go for it. It's great. He's not like the ugliest person on the planet, but he's by no means handsome. But he's hairless. He shaves his eyebrows, which makes him the most unsettling. Like, he's big. He's, it's not like he has a weird shaped head. He shaves his head. He just kind of looks like... He looks like, he looks like if somebody took... Like, if they were like, alright, like a generic action figure. It's like, well, we got our like fit guy, and we got like our skinny guy, and then we got our fat guy. But they hadn't painted it yet. <laughs> and they just like put a singlet on it. But I think that he can talk. I do too. So, continue. I just was saying, like, I think that the thing that kind of makes Bundy special is the no eyebrows. Because I think that it just adds a 
thing to it. Plus, he can talk, so it's not like that. So you don't even notice it. It doesn't seem like that's that's not the gimmick that he doesn't have eyebrows. It just kind of adds to it. You don't notice it until until you notice it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my favorite line that Bundy says is "Bundy mania is about to happen." We then back, head back out to ringside. Elvira is there by herself, and she sends us to New York so Vince and Susan can preview the the main event. Susan calls Elvira strange. Oh, uh, get out of here, Susan. You're no fun. She says there's a 0% chance of Bundy Mania. And then we head back to L.A. The cage is all set up, and we get Lee Marshall, who's our ring announcer, who actually did some ring announcing in the WCW days. Days to come. Days to come, yeah. <laughs> Uh, announces our guest re-announcer for the main event, Tommy Lasorda. Owner of what team? He's not the owner, he's the coach oh. of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the funny thing is, is that uh, with us being on April 7th, this was actually opening day of baseball this day. And he wasn't even, oh. So he literally had a baseball game earlier in the day. Earlier in yeah, the day this is obviously in LA. And then had to rush through LA traffic to get to the arena uh, so sure. he could do this uh, one little thing. I'm sure Vince covered it. We announce, uh, Tommy announces the guest timekeeper, who's Ricky Schroeder, who gets booed. Yeah, who is Ricky Schroeder? Kid from... He gets booed hard, and he's just like this little blonde uh, What kid. TV show is he from? I don't know. It probably wasn't on Nick at Night. He, he was a kid, I mean, he was a ki- kid actor. Teen, teen actor from a show, I can't remember. It's just a sitcom of some type. Yeah. And then... But no, he looked moderately familiar. Uh, I'm not old enough. He was on know. NYPD Blue later. As an adult, As obviously. An adult. Okay, yeah. but yeah, he gets booed hard, and he's a good sport about it. Yeah, I would, I will give it up to Schroeder. Obviously, whatever show he was on, everybody was just like, you know, it's a wrestling show. They were, yeah. they were drunk, and they probably don't watch whatever family show he was on. No, and then the the referee gets announced. It's Robert Conrad, who's also an actor, and that leads us right into our twelfth match: King Kong Bundy with Bobby Heenan versus Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match. Yeah. And is this cage different? Because, like, we get the whole time, like, before the package and the promos, they just keep talking. Jesse keeps talking about how this, they had to make this, like, there's, like, six people carrying the sides of the cage, which probably wouldn't take that many people, but they're just beefing up that it needs to be that strong for Bundy. That's what they say, but it, it looks, it's visually it. better than... Quality. The yeah. fence cage. Well, it's not a fence cage that we at all. Get, like, that we get the, in the NWA. Yeah, it's the cage that you kind of remember from this time period. I just wasn't sure. I mean, like, it's basically the cage that you think of when you think still cage matches. Yeah. yeah. So, like, literally, when we started watching these shows in the first yeah, one, the, the NWA show was, the a, cage. was a fence cage. I was just like, what is well, this? Well, see, whenever I think steel cage, yeah, it's totally incorrect. It's This is the cage we're talking about, but I always think Hell in a Cell, but that's because I was watching in, like, 97, 98, so... To me, it's like, oh, the first thing I think of is that is the cell, not the cage. But And the match is obviously for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. First thing, Schroeder gets in the ring after he gets announced, and then when Bundy's announced and Bundy comes out, Schroeder just, like, has his, like, he's marking out at the oh, size of Bundy. Yeah, he's just like... That. He's just like... Whoa. That's cool. Hogan... Doesn't come in through the gate, uh, the door. He climbs from the outside to the top of the ring, and then drops in. You got a fucking, you've you've got a, uh, you got a big, what's big game? What what word am I thinking? Here? 
got a Show, showmanship. Well, showmanship, but like you got a you got a big dog. You got a big dog, a bigger dog. Sometimes. There you go. Obviously, every steel cage match that we've watched so far has always been in the NWA. It's our first WWF steel cage match. Every single one has ended with a, either a submission or a pin. To win this match, you had to escape the cage. Yeah, which is kind of like what I know them to be. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, they've done more in modern era of there being a pin. You could do either, basically. Yeah, You could either do the pin or escape. I mean, though, like, for a cage match to work, it has to be the whole thing. It's like, it's the culmination. It should be. The culmination of these guys not being able to finish their feud. What's the only way we can finish it? We put them in a fucking cage. Or if there's people, but they have like... Yeah, no, like you can't... There can't be any DQ. Nobody can get in. Two men in, like, you know, one leaves. Like, that's how it should always be booked. You can't steel cage it just to steel cage it. Exactly. So the match starts. Hogan gives a big boot to Bundy right right away. Bundy ends up trying to go for the cage door... Hoban grabs him, throws him so into the cage. what's the deal with the door, though? You can climb out the door. But, like, does somebody have to open the door for you? Or is the door just unlocked? I thought they it's, were locked in the cage. That's at at this I, show, yeah. like, literally, Heenan was standing there, and he was just opening the yeah, door. Yeah, but, like, would Heenan have closed the door on Hulk? Could somebody have pushed Heenan out of the done way? That, that they will, we will see that happen and in yeah, a Yeah, I was just kind of confused about it. Cause like they, but also, like, King Kong Bundy's a big guy. Maybe it's not, wait, it's not, like... Rated for him to climb out of the cage? I don't know. And then Hogan's thrown into the cage. Uh, Bundy gains control after hitting Hogan in the back. And then Bundy goes to the door again. Hogan grabs him by the leg to stop him. Bundy then slam, body slams Hulk into the cage. Bundy just keep, kept going for the door. Um, and Hogan would stop him. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Bundy ended up taking the bandages off of Hogan's ribs and began to choke him, uh, and then he ended up tying him to yeah, the ropes. Yeah, I thought the tying the spot was was pretty cool. It did not take, obviously. No, obviously, because literally as soon as he ties him, Bundy tries for the door once again, but yeah. Hogan breaks loose and begins to rake Bundy's eyes to bring him back into the ring. Which, like, the raking of the eyes, is that a that's not a, a typical Hulk thing, is it? That's just usually like the blood. Feed. Usually he rakes the back, not the eyes. Well, she will do in some way. Yeah. Hogan throws Bundy right into the cage, face first, and it breaks Bundy open. So we've had two matches in this WWF uh, pay per view with blood, which is uh, pretty good for WWE, at least at this point. Yeah. Hogan continues to use the cage as a weapon, and then Hulk climbs to the top rope and begins to stomp on Bundy's head as he's leaning on the top rope, and then Hogan tries to body slam Bundy. Isn't quite able to get him up, and Bundy ends up falling oh, on top of him. Which is like, it looks good. Yeah. It looks really good. It makes Bundy look as big as he is, really is. And so Bundy's slowly crawling towards the door. Hogan sits up yeah. and makes his way to stop this is me Bundy. Shaking. That's the sound of me shaking my fist. I don't think Mike pick it up. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> we get another. Uh, he comes alive. Bundy ends up giving an avalanche splash to Hogan in the corner, and then we get the Hulk up. Yeah. Which is, this is the sound of me hulking up. Still, I don't think it makes any sound. Uh, Hogan, a little bit of practice. Hogan gives a scoop slam, and then the leg drop. Hogan ends up starting to make his way to the top rope to climb over the cage, but he is down underneath, trying to basically keep him from climbing over. 
which I don't know what Heenan was technically doing on the ground to keep him from yeah, climbing like over. Yeah, push him but... up. <laughs> it's like the man that weighs like almost twice you. Bundy catches up, gets him, and grabs Hogan. But Hogan ends up kicking Bundy off the ropes. And then Hogan's climbing again. Both legs are over the cage, climbing down. But Bundy's headed towards the door. All he has to do is get two feet out on the floor before well, he's Hogan He's like a is... leg through the rope, right? Bundy does? Yeah, he's yeah, like... Yeah, he's like... They, they time it They timed it really well. Considering. But Hogan's feet touch first. And still the champ. Yeah, we, you don't, we don't yell in still. We don't... Yeah. We don't. Not, 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 not for a showing like this. No. So post-match, Hogan is stalking Heenan, and the brain actually goes into the cage and closes the door. But Hogan makes his way into the ring and throws Heenan into the cage, and then an atomic drop actually sends him out back through the door, which was a great spot. That's pretty awesome. We get some it, Hogan posing. Yeah, Hogan must pose. That's my best Vince. I don't do impressions very well. My favorite Elvira line. The wrestling match of the decade? She says that. Does she? Yeah. I, Sorry, that's the one that I have. That's not the one I wrote. Because <laughs> Jesse starts basically saying, Oh, I could beat Hogan. I could beat Hogan. And so everybody goes, If Ventura beats Hogan, she would go out on a date with him. Uh, that's cool. Wait. Oh, okay. I For a second I thought it was like, never mind. I thought Hayes was in a part of this, but he's not. I mean, he's there, uh, yeah. but... He's not part of this. Where's the Where's the sitcom where it's uh, Jesse the Body, Jesse Elvira Je- no, and Lord Alfred and Hayes? Hayes. And, that is and, a sitcom, and, and it's like Jesse and Hayes both going after Elvira, and she thinks they're both dopes, but she entertains entertains both of them. <laughs> I would watch that for thirteen episodes at least. They're, they're only they can only be like twenty four minutes. We got to have like commercial time and everything. Like, yeah, B- book it. <laughs> there you go. What would it be called though? The Body, the Bat. Oh, this is good. And, oh, uh, and the debutante? <laughs> there you go. I like, guess what I'm trying, you call Lord Alfred Hayes? trying to think of a B word. The bitch. <laughs> no, yeah, like the, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the body, the bat. That's good, though. Uh, but right. yeah, and then like, we'll work on this. We'll come up with something yeah. next time. They, I, I, I honestly think that this is pretty funny. We got gold on our hands here. <laughs> it's definitely not gold, but I like it either way. Ventura, Hayes, and Elvira say their goodbyes, and we go back to Vince in New York, uh, where we... Get that P&P goodbye. Get picture-in-picture saying goodbye as well, and the show is over. There's not even highlights to end the show. No, I mean, I guess they packed out their their time. Yeah. It's not like a, you know... uh, It was pay-per-view, so they had to, like, end on time back then. Yeah, and, like, it's not like this is a... Like, I'm sure that some of this stuff ends up on VHS tape, and I don't know, like, if the, like, on the network, it's going to be revised and re-edited, and it's not going to always be, like, your tape, so I'm sure that, like, when they put this stuff out on tape, they are going to add in, you know, your highlights and credits and stuff at the end. Yeah. Overall thoughts on WrestleMania 2? I can't wait for WrestleMania 3. Most people can't. I did not, um... This show didn't have enough wrestling for me, and I can see that the it's, it was a, it was three hours of a wrestling show, but it seemed really fast. And you would think that would be a good thing, though. You would th- you would think that would be a good thing, but there wasn't really a whole lot of wrestling matches. Sure. There wasn't a lot like sure. yeah, like even our steamboat match. He wasn't 
fighting somebody that was even like half as good as him. He could have carried a match for a lot longer, I think, but it just wasn't there. And, uh, you know, we're watching all of this way after the fact, and we're not, I'm not watching everything in between to build no. up, to build these things up. But uh, sometimes, like, when it's a really good match, you don't necessarily need to have followed the whole thing. You don't feud. need to have that context. Yeah, you don't necessarily need it because they can tell it in the ring or uh, sometimes they'll just, you know, tell you on mic or they'll t- to give you the package or say, you know, he slept with his girlfriend or they yeah. were a tag team and this happened or whatever. And uh, if the match is good, then then that's enough for me to get excited. And uh, I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of... didn't feel like there was much on the stake on this show at all. felt like that there wasn't... It was quick and... Nothing ever, like, built, built to, like, a fever pitch. No, definitely not. This, definitely not a good show. No. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, it's I mean, there not was my maybe, favorite show we watched. Maybe, what, three and a half passable matches? I mean, if I you mean, think about it, I, I feel like New York got nothing good. Okay. Because, okay. I mean, I don't like the boxing match. Uh, Morocco, Paul Orndorff. No. Well, yeah, what happened? Can you tell me? They got counted out. Yeah, there wasn't a match at all. I mean, the only cool thing yeah. that happened in that entire match got edited out of yeah. the network version. Uh, Animal Macho Man. Not a good match. I liked it. As far as the like grand scheme of the show goes, that was entertaining, and I liked it. It doesn't always have to be... It wasn't a good wrestling match, by any means, but it held my attention, and Animal like acted. He was his character, and his character was moderately believable. Yeah. George Wells and Jake the Snake. No. I mean, the snake was cool I mean, because it's a snake. Wells is a glorified jobber. Yeah. It's not a match. Uh, Piper and Mr. T. Not a wrestling match. It's atrocious match. Didn't hate it. I, I said think, atrocious. Well, I think what it's going to yes, come I down to atrocious. is that all my favorite things on here were pure entertainment value and not wrestling matches. I mean, that's true. And I think that that was probably I mean, what they were I, trying to do. My biggest it. problem with the Piper-Mr. T match is by the fourth round, you could totally see that... They were not landing real punches. Well, yeah, that's true. It, so it kind of there's a thing coming up that looks better. Yes, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, McIntyre Mula honestly looked great, but it was only less than a minute. Long. It was less than a minute long. Yeah, but it did look nice. Volkov, anything, anything with Kirchner is not good. But Volkov's good. Volkov's good, but like I said, Kirchner's yeah. not. Yeah. So uh, Battle Royal, fucking no way. It was fun. You, I see. I didn't have fun with that. See, I that that's you liked the boxing match. Yeah. I like the battle. I mean, Royale. I like the animal match way more than the boxing match, but the boxing match was kind of, kind I mean, of like it was kind of that's the longest the half thing. Match that I, it was kind of the longest. One of the thing. half matches that, yeah. that I that was passable for me. Uh, uh, the dream team match could have been better if Best it wasn't match Brutus. Of the night. Yeah, if it wasn't Brutus, it would have Br- been better. Brutus wasn't was in the match for like three minutes out of the like, that, yeah, twelve he minutes he didn't do that anything. was. He gave him a breather. Like but. Valentine was was the one who sold yeah. everything. And the, th- and the thing is, is also that match was literally Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy are the faces. Yeah. And they got 70% of the offense. They, were, they did not do the normal tag team formula of a match. And so it was it was super interesting to see. That's the match of the night for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I, uh, I am not arguing with you yet. Yeah. Steamboat Hernandez. Steamboat. Not always lo- fun. Not long enough. Still, I think it could have been longer, and it, and it could have been the match of the night if they gave it time. But obviously, it doesn't have the like. It's got. I want to say it was almost eight minutes. It's got Steamboat, but the match before it has like 
three great guys where the Steamboat match has one. one great, one, one like, you know, legendary guy. Adonis was trash. Funk Brothers was, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. That was the match of the night. I mean, I like the the other tag team match as well. I, 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 I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed it, but it's not as good as that. Other no. Match. Um, and then Hogan Bundy is just... Hogan Bundy was better. It's, it's all right. I, I mean, like, it was better than I expected it to be. Exactly. Because, like, the package before And if you it, notice, we didn't even talk about the Adonis-Elmer match because it's not worth talking about. No, honestly. Uh, worst match of the night. Yeah. I would give that one worst match of the night over the Kirshner match. And I hate Kirshner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, you, you're right to do that. It was totally the worst. I was kind of excited for adorable Adrian Adonis because I kind of liked Adonis earlier where you were like, and I was like, I thought he kind of looked pretty all right in there. But uh, when you put, you know, pink tights and like... And, and a guy who can't wrestle at all with him. Yeah, not good at all. Like, I, I mean, Adonis could probably do well with a uh, like collegiate wrestler in the ring, but I think that's about it. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. Well, it's time to smark it up. Bring it on. So what do you feel like some of the best moments of the night were for you? I enjoyed Elvira and Ventura, and I guess we just went over the whole show. I, we, we agree that the best match is that is both the two, two, the two tag team matches are definitely the best yeah. matches of the night, with Steamboat probably coming in third. Yeah, I'll go with that for sure. Um, although I like the Macho Animal one, I think it was it was fun. I had a very good time watching it, to and me, I think that like for a match that really had not any wrestling in it, I mean, I feel, Macho, like, it, I feel like Macho didn't do anything but run the no, entire match. Yeah, which I understand is a heel thing, but it's hard when the other guy is just like biting him. Exactly. But I think that considering it was a non-match, if you will, that I was entertained, and I know that like it wasn't a wrestling match, but it was entertaining. It's kind of the same way that I feel about... I mean, there was obviously more wrestling in this. It Like the Yano, Colt Cabana. Yeah. Well, like it's not a wrestling match, but it was no. entertaining. Put a smile on my face. Yeah, I had a very fun time watching it, but I couldn't call it the best match. I couldn't put it in like the top five matches of New Japan Cup oh, 2019. Five stars for me. Five stars bullshit. There, was no, like, there wasn't a match. I, but, I can, but I can still appreciate it as entertainment value. I entertained it. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, and that's that's uh, how I felt about the Macho match. But, like, yeah, as far as wrestling goes, we're in agreement. I mean, those hair drag snapmares that Moolah did at the very beginning of the match, those were fun looking. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it wasn't a shoot. Because, yeah, like, exactly. what you said, it was like... The steamboat arm drags that looked like Spanish flies. Were insane. Were... That, that was definitely the move of the night. Was there ever, like... I would like to see, like, a young... Like flying Brian Pillman steamboat match, is that a thing? There might be one of those because they're both are in WCW at, at yeah, one point. Yeah, because like I know that like the first match of Nitro ever is Jushin Thunder Liger and and Pillman, and, Pillman, and it's an amazing, it's a really cool match. It's a great yeah. way to start that. Yeah, like that period of Pillman against Steamboat because I'm assuming Steamboat can still go at that point in his life. I would assume so. It's only a few years. I mean, it's less than a decade from this show. Uh, most disappointing. I mean. I, think definitely the Adonis match. Adonis, I I keep talking shit on the the uh, Royal Rumble, but honestly, it was they had its moments. I liked the I pop mean, for was, the fridge. It was fun. Yeah. I mean it, it got the pop for the guys they wanted the pop for. It gave a reason to have Andre on WrestleMania. And I mean it's it's WrestleMania too. It's gotta be it's it's a spectacle. It's not the not everybody that's watching this is 
uh, wrestling fans. Exactly. I mean, it was kind of disappointing that Jake the Snake had a jobber. I mean, I know he's only been around for a month, so it's not like they had been able to build up a storyline, but some of these matches didn't have a storyline at all either, so it's kind of like, why? I guess they just wanted him to be out there so people exactly. could get used to seeing him on TV. They're exactly. like, who's this guy with the snake? Anything else disappointing? I mean, we covered it. This whole show is... Most I would disappointing. Say, WrestleMania 2. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's pretty skippable. If someone was like, what WrestleMania should I watch? I mean, would... literally, I would watch the two tag matches. I mean, I, I could I could even tell someone to skip the Steamboat match. Oh, yeah, totally. I like... Unless you're, like, doing a, like, thing where you're like, I want to watch every major Bundy or every major major Hulk Hogan match, then I would I would be like, well, I guess... I guess watch that because it's a WrestleMania headliner, but they're not in the, They're probably not in the top ten Hulk matches, and it's definitely and like if it's in the top ten Bundy matches, that's a shame for Bundy because yeah. it's it's only okay. How about the best performer of the night, Davy Boy? Anybody? Uh, yeah, Davy Boy Dynamite. Uh, I mean, Steamboat carried Hercules to a decent match. Yeah, totally. So I mean, but we but, love I mean, Steamboat. like it's a it's a short match. Terry Funk going through a table. Honestly, I really uh, had a fun time uh, with Piper being a, being a real shit. I mean, Piper was good in what he was doing. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I will. Yeah. I'm, ha- I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm hating on the boxing match. Yeah, I know you are. But honestly, I think that uh, it's more just because this of is this what, sounds silly, but uh, look like but, than... uh, when all said and done, the animal macho man match when animal just kind of like sadly like is eating the stuffing of the turnbuckle. I, f- I felt for his idiot ass, and I was like, oh, like, that was a, uh, maybe a, a Golden Globe nod. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed it for some reason. How about anything surprising? I was surprised that, uh, I mean, I know that these shows have famous people on them, but I was not expecting for Ozzy Osbourne to show up. I was not expecting for Elvira to show up. Maybe almost going back to most disappointing, to have the three women as color commentators yeah that's a good point because like we the first women woman female commentator in wwf is just happened this year yeah and then like on one of the me saying that me saying that makes it almost seem like women shouldn't it's not no no no. literally definitely susan and kathy didn't know anything about wrestling and i I don't think elvira did either but elvira was at least entertaining and and worked with jesse i think that her skill set is different because like obviously with what she does, like comedy and being self-aware is part of it, and they've pl- played off each other really well. Exactly. So fu- so much so that I'm trying to write a sitcom. That's right. We'll have a title for that at some point. <laughs> what was it? The 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 body, the, body, the, the bat, bat, and uh, the debutante. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of nice that it doesn't that it's not three piece. We don't want to vince out completely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And now a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. George Hackensmith had left Chicago in 1908, taking his loss graciously to Frank Gotch. But by the time they met again in 1911, his tune had changed. Hackenschmidt was bad-mouthing and accusing Gotch of unsportsmanlike behaviors. Headed into the match, Hackenschmidt had been injured during training, aggravating his right knee where he had suffered a case of bursitis just a few years earlier. But Hackenschmidt declared himself fit to wrestle for his life. So the match went on as scheduled. In Comiskey Park in 1911, Gotch and Hackenschmidt would meet for the second time. 
And it was a very different contest than their first meeting. Gotch would win the first fall after only 16 minutes, and then secured the victory over the Russian Lion with the toehold once again. Hackenschmidt would retire soon after, and decades later, another wrinkle would be added to this feud. A wrestler by the name of Ad Santel would mention that he was helping train Hackenschmidt, but was paid $5,000 by Frank Gotch's camp to injure him. In the years that followed, more stories would emerge that tweaked the perception of how real professional wrestling had become. A pattern throughout history, someone would acknowledge the fixed nature as a way of romanticizing the past, only to realize that the reality is that as long as wrestling had existed, it had never been real. At least, not completely. So next week, Great American Bash 1986. Pull out your VCR. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's another one of those fun videos that we were able to find. Yeah, I mean, it feels like if we can find it, it's Im- important enough to watch. It was a big tour. Like, if it was a... They had pay-per-views like they will in the in the future. Yeah. Of the future from 1986. But, like, the, that, they, that this would have been something that, you know, accumulated... Into, exactly into that like where they would have done this great american bash tour and then like the last show would have been like would have been the culmination yeah, of all exactly. of everything but basically i mean each show on the tour was kind of had like a almost a pay-per-view quality matches well i think that the the gimmick of the thing well there's a couple but is that like every single night Flip, flair or the champion we should say yeah flair Defend Blair his belt. was the champion, and the, the yeah. champion would defend their belt. So he defends it like thirteen times or something. I think there's yeah, like thirteen it, dates. Well, there's fourteen cities in thirty-three days. So I think you. Yeah. I th- but I think he only only had nine different challengers. So I think a couple oh, people really? challenged thought, for yeah. a couple times. But uh, basically, he fights everybody that's on the tour. It's, a, it's like of note. Yeah. Uh, it's a name that you know you'll recognize or should be recognized. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, we found this on the, on the internet. It's yeah, not we, on found, the network. We, we found it on the internet. It's not on the network. I mean, so. it's, I'm sure that, uh, that Vince owns it, but it was a VHS tape. It's one of those things that, like, just... It's kind of on the cusp. It was a, it's a highlight video, so it's not a full pay-per-view, so maybe that's why they didn't decide to put it on the network. Yeah. Who knows like, exactly. Maybe it's hidden. hidden I mean, it might be in the hidden gym somewhere or something yeah. like that. But we but, didn't find it. We, we looked. I mean, maybe uh, maybe individual matches are yeah. out there. But I'm sure it's on YouTube or Daily Motion. Yeah. But if you can find it, you should watch it so you can join in on the conversation next yeah. week. Music from this show. We got the WrestleMania 2 theme song. Which was just jazz hands. Pretty much. And then uh, Hogan won the main event, so... Yeah, I mean, you know that means we gotta play a little Real American Hogan Must Pose by Rick Derringer rate and review us uh, go and find us on iTunes Stitcher Google Play or just wherever you find your podcast at rate and review us let us know what you think get us uh, let more people know about us cause the more people that know about us the more we can do yeah tell us if you're listening exactly uh, what you can do on email if you like that at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at wrestlinghistox that's wrestling h-i-s-t-o-x talk to you next week